This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon, as usual with me in studio. My co-host... Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good morning, Wally. How are you this morning? I'm doing good. Thank you very much. And joining us in studio, former Washington Capitol, former Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, friend of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Lou Franceschetti. Good morning, Louis. How are you this morning? Morning, gentlemen. How are you? It's a great morning to be alive, isn't it? No rain in the the foresight? No, no rain in the the forecast. Uh, Forecast, foresight. Whatever you want to call it. Anyways... uh, it's been uh, it's been a pretty wild week in sports, and we're looking forward to talking about the NHL playoffs. Uh, the uh, our producer Sebastian just walked in behind us here. If you're watching on uh, on the internet, we're live streaming at www.zoomerradio.ca. Um, it's been an interesting week this week. NHL Stanley Cup playoffs start Monday. NBA Finals start Thursday. Um, big baseball series this week, and just to let and Memorial Cup today, just to let our listeners know, we'll be talking about the Memorial Cup with our uh, our assistant producer Steve Sohoyos. Uh, big game tonight, and we're also talking to the play-by-play man for the Nashville Predators in the middle of the hour. Naz, perhaps you can give us a little intro on he Pete has Weber. A Western New York tie. He did the Buffalo Sabers and the Buffalo Bills. Pete Weber will be on at nine thirty. And he's, uh, he's the voice of the Nashville Predators, has been since day one. And uh, I know they're excited like crazy down in Nashville. Uh, they're a little bit demoralized in Ottawa. Just a little recap, Lou, of the Ottawa Senators-Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Pittsburgh, yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers-Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, thanks for the correction. Um, Ottawa, it was, a, was was a hell of a game, Game 7. Double overtime. You know what? It, it was probably the best game of the whole series because I don't know if I actually stood up and watched any of the first six games. Uh, Guy Boucher came in with a game plan. Uh, the players bought into it, and they figured that was the only way they can really slow down the, the Pittsburgh Penguins and their style of play uh, as more or less go into that 1-3-1 so-called trap that he had uh, installed. And it was really it was a very, very boring series up until Game 7, and we never thought they'd even get to Game 7 because... Pittsburgh is so far uh, more talented uh, than Ottawa did, but uh, you got to give kudos to the Ottawa centers and buying into B- uh, Boucher's plan and more or less explaining to him, guys, if you want to get to the finals, this is the way we got to beat them. It's going to be ugly, but you know we'll get there. Naz, the team uh, that nobody, wouldn't say nobody, but uh, most observers didn't think would end up being in the uh, in the in the uh, Stanley Cup Finals is the Nashville Predators, and uh, what happened? 
And I, I, I know we want to ask. I know we want to ask Pete Weber this question. But going into the playoffs, they weren't on very many lists to end up in the Stanley Cup Finals. So uh, your your assessment of uh, of uh, how Nashville was able to do it? Well, if you look back at it, they're really uh, based on last year's team. Uh, it should be no surprise they finished in the Final Four last year. They lost to San Jose in the semis, Nashville. So. For that, yes. They had a regular season that wasn't very good. And what does a regular season mean in the NHL nowadays? You know, it doesn't mean anything. Well, 16th place team could win. You know, that, aside from the, well, exactly. I mean, they are the lowest seed. And they may be, I mean, if they win the Stanley Cup final, if they win the Stanley Cup, uh, I don't think a lower seed, I don't think a, a seed that low has ever won the Stanley Cup, well, have they? Uh, the no, LA Kings. LA Kings were eighth. They the LA were eighth. Kings, yeah. yeah. They were right, so yeah. we're uh, you know we're basically where they were. It's it's highly unusual. But then when you look at the Nashville Predators uh, and you and you watch the way they've played, they're not a bad hockey team. They've got if if Pecorini isn't the best goalie in the world right now. Uh, I mean, he's he's never been really in the conversation with Carey Price and Lundqvist and those guys. But how he's been playing right now, there's nobody better. Um. And they've got four horses on defense, um, and that has to. And they play. Uh, and, and I know we want to talk to Pete Weber about this. Pittsburgh's facing a completely different matchup when they got to play Nashville, uh, as opposed to playing Ottawa. This, this pace of this game is going to be totally different. Ottawa held back, played played a, a counterattack game, a soak 'em up game. Nashville comes at you like a full co- full court press. The biggest surprise and, to me. And Pittsburgh. You know what? The one thing Ottawa wasn't able to expose as much as I thought they would be able to is Pittsburgh's not very strong on defense. And I think Nashville poses a different type of matchup for the Penguins than uh, than, than the Senators did. The biggest surprise is how Pittsburgh got through with their defense. You know, that's this. Uh, the, the, now, as, as, uh, as any of their defensemen turned into great defensemen all of a sudden, Pittsburgh, or is it just... It happened, right? You know, I, it, it really comes down to making making the game as simple as possible in your own defensive zone. And uh, when you look at Nashville, Nashville is going to be a clone to what Pittsburgh has. Mm-hmm. Small, speedy forwards. But the one thing that stands out with Nashville, and people don't give them enough credit, is that as, as the season wore on, they were probably one of the highest scoring teams in the second half of the season. Um, and there was one team that Chicago did not want to play in the first round because they played Chicago very tough. They have played Chicago very tough over the last couple of years in the playoffs. And with the speedy forwards, and as physical as they are, uh, it's going to be a great matchup, especially up against the Pittsburgh defense. But the one thing that Nashville hasn't faced yet is a scoring power that can they stop the best player in the world in Sidney Crosby and probably one of the top five in in Malkin. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a great series, I think. It's going to come down to... uh, special teams and really can can Nashville forwards put enough pressure on the uh, Pittsburgh defense to cough up the puck like they did in the previous three, uh, three series uh, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this because it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fascinating series um, you know Nashville nobody was talking to them as you made a good point they did make the final four last year um, and in Toronto we tend not to see Nashville, we tend not to follow Nashville. We tend not to know who's on the team or what the strengths. So we just, you know, you hear reports 
of the team. And then they blew – I wouldn't say they blew out. They handled Chicago. Well, they handled, blew them out a couple of games. Yeah, they I did. mean they handled them. I, I would even say easily. They handled the Chicago Blackhawks who – Everybody had in the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, most of the predictions it was it was either Pittsburgh, Chicago in the Stanley Cup Final, or Washington, Chicago, and they took out Chicago in four games. But St. Is- Louis is a good team. Anaheim is a very good team, and all of a sudden, three series later, you know, Nashville. Louis, Louis brought up a good point. You know, they have Crosby is the number one player, and I think Malkin's in the top five, might even be fourth or third. In the league. Well, That's the way how he, good Malkin is. The way Malkin plays in the playoffs, I mean, he's literally him and him and him and Sid Crosby are, are a one, a two. I mean, Malkin, I mean, he raises his game to a con Smythe level. Um, I mean, obviously Crosby's the leader of the team, and he's the he's the driving force, and you know, the team looks to him for leadership. There's no question about it. But Malkin, I mean, he's when when he's playing at this level, I mean, he's He's he uh, he's he's uh, if he's not as good, he's like right there. Well, there, there's one thing that I look at, guys. Is if you look at the Pittsburgh defense, this Toronto franchise should have, be all smiles because you don't need a number one or a number two D to carry it into the finals. They got a bunch of three, fours, and fives and, and sixes. sixes and sevens. Yeah. yeah, guys that on normal teams they wouldn't be playing right now, but they're just keeping everything simple. Uh, they're getting a lot of help from their forwards coming back, and they're not breaking up before any turnovers happen. So it, it's going to be a great series. Both teams have great speed. Uh, Matt Murray's looks like he's he's the Matt Murray of last year. Pekarin has been uh, probably the Western version of, uh, like you said, Hunter uh, Lundqvist and, and Carey Price. And obviously, when you got four studs back there like Subban, Lindholm, um, Ellis, and, and Yossi, uh, and I, I call Ellis as the sleeper there because nobody actually knew who he was, uh, whereas. I saw him as a 14- and 15-year-old playing the GTHL with a good friend of mine, Cosmo. It, it was just unbelievable that his, this kid has come this far, but he's got great offensive skill, and it showed in uh, when he won the two Memorial Cups with, with Windsor. The key to me is uh, James Neal for Nashville. He's an agitating type player, and he's a, and he's a goal scorer. They're going to have to keep their heads up with James, James Neal. Anyways, we we will certainly talk more about Nashville, uh, Nashville, Pittsburgh, uh, with Pete Weber, who's the voice of the Nashville Predators, uh, um, um, in the middle of the hour. I do, we do want to chat a little bit about the Memorial Cup today. We have uh, we have with us on the line our uh, uh, color commentator, done some work with the Barry Colts, our assistant producer, who's been blogging up a storm on the Nazanwali.ca website, uh, Steve Sohoyos. Steve, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you doing today, Walter? We're doing great. Thanks so much for joining us. And I know you follow junior hockey uh, uh, to the T, and you wrote a, you've got a really interesting analysis uh, on the nazanwali.ca website, your blog, uh, about today's game, the Erie Otters against the Windsor Spitfires. And uh, it's, it's actually shaping up almost to be, if you're a fan of junior hockey, a classic. Um, Windsor's the team that got blown out in the first round, or they got defeated in the first round anyways. They've been sitting around for 44 days waiting for the Memorial Cup to come, and Erie's been the team that literally did blow everybody away, but uh, they lost to Windsor the other night. Give us your analysis of, uh, of what we can look forward to tonight in the Memorial Cup final. Well, you're right, Walter. It's going to be a classic tonight. 
really, Windsor was a tough team to beat in the playoffs. They played the London Knights in the first round. They were up 3-1 on London before London came back and beat them. London, on the next round, and UB Otters to seven games. So Windsor is a pretty tough opponent to beat. Even on the other hand, they've got a, a great offense, probably the best offense I've seen in junior hockey in a long time, which is actually funny considering they've lost Connor David, but they still have like, Lundstrom, Alex DeBrinkett, who was the most outstanding player in the Ontario Hockey League this year, Darren Radish, who's one of the best offensive defensemen you'll see. He put up a point a game in the OHL playoffs this year, so they've got a lot of star power on their offense. So it's going to be a good game all time. Steve, it's Naz here. Um... How do you feel about a uh, team that's been eliminated going for the Memorial Cup? Uh, you know what? I don't really have an issue with it. Uh, I think it's all part of it. You're the host team. You know, you have that time to rest, which is nice. But Windsor, I think, was a lot better than a team that got bounced in the first round. The Western Conference here in the OHS teams put up over 100 points. Eastern Conference has won. So the Western Conference was beginning. Windsor finished fifth. So they had to play fourth place, who had over London Knights. So Windsor team is better than a team that got out in the first round. So this is why you're seeing so much success from the, at the Memorial Cup here. Uh, Steve, we want to ask you, uh, uh, before we let you go, um, this isn't, uh, there doesn't seem to be any Connor McDavid's or Austin Matthews or generational players playing in this Memorial Cup. Uh, are there any players? I mean, Dylan Strom's there. He's uh, he was drafted a couple of years ago. And uh, are there any players watching the game tonight that uh, that we should keep an eye out for that you think will be uh, will be uh, playing in the NHL at a high level? Oh, there's actually quite a few that I think. I'm going to start with Bidman, uh, Mikhail Sergachev. He's a big body defenseman. He can play both ends of the ice really well. Uh, as well, his his partner actually Logan Stanley was a first round draft pick last year in the draft. An athlete, he's seven. He's a big. He likes to use his body too. Great defensive defenseman. On the Otters, obviously you strong. Steve, Steve, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to interrupt you. I don't know uh, where you are if you're on your cell phone or whatever, but we're having difficulty with your signal. Uh, it's 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 coming in and out. I don't know if you can move around the room and maybe we yeah. can, we can yeah. get it better. Uh, but your your the connection isn't the greatest. Let's let's we'll just give it one more shot. See if you can finish off that one. Otherwise, we're going to have to let you go. Yeah, is this any better, Walter? It's for now. It is. Keep going. All right. Yeah. So like I said, uh, Mikhail Sergachev is a guy to watch. Logan Stanley uh, on on Erie. There's a plethora of guys. Just a really talented team. Uh, like I said, Dylan Strom is really phenomenal. One of the best shots I've seen in, in junior hockey in a long time. Alex Debrink is a guy, he's a smaller guy, but he just can put the puck in the net. Just a really phenomenal talent. Like I said, got most outstanding player in the Ontario Hockey League this season. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of talent on these two teams. And there's a lot of guys who I think could shape up to be good role players in the NHL too. A guy like Jeremiah Addison, who's a pick from the Montreal Canadiens. He scored a hat-trick the other night in their matchup against Erie. He's a really good goal scorer. He played well against London too. So 
there's a lot of guys in tonight's game that I think you'll see in the NHL very soon. Steve, we're gonna we're gonna let you go. It's gonna be uh, I think it's gonna be a great game tonight. Uh, Windsor and Erie. Uh, I know you've predicted. Uh, you put it on the Nazawali.ca website. It's a it's a it's a great analysis of of the Erie Otters and the Windsor Spitfires. You've predicted a Windsor four to two victory, and uh, that would be Windsor's third Memorial Cup win in the last. What, six or seven years? That would yeah, be uh... seven years. They went back to back in 2009, 2010. Uh, the big story then was Mickey Renault, who is the captain who passed away. They were able to win two and honor him. And they had Taylor Hall on that team. Ryan Ellis is playing for a Stanley Cup right now. So those were talented Spitfires teams. And I think this one matches up to those teams if you really take a look at their team right now, Windsor. And the ultimate irony is I'm picking the Erie Otters to win uh, <laughs> to win uh, the game. I think they totally outplayed Windsor in the, in the second and third period the other night. Uh, Windsor's got a fantastic goalie who's, who's going to get drafted. But uh, the ultimate irony is I think Erie's going to win and Connor McDavid's not part of the team. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that's, to me, that's ironic. Anyways, uh, Steve, thanks for joining us. Uh, and uh, keep blogging up a storm, my friend. I will for sure. Thanks for having me on, uh, Walter and Naz. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Our pleasure. Uh, Naz, are going to be watching Memorial Cup tonight? I will be. I will be. I, I think Windsor is going to win also. Uh, you're a big fan of junior hockey, Lou. Uh, Windsor, Erie, uh, Memorial Cups from the past. What, uh, what strikes you about Memorial Cup Sunday? Uh, I, I really think that uh, nine times out of ten, you've got the, the two best teams in there. Um, Sometimes you get a team with a long rest like Windsor has, uh, 44 days. Uh, you've got to really plan those days off. You've got to work hard. It's almost like going back to training camp and starting from uh, square one. I really like what Erie's got. They, they are probably as close to a National Hockey League team at the junior level as you can possibly get. And Strom has played to the level that he deserved to be a number three pick, maybe even a number, well, was Eichel number two pick that year? He was number two. Uh, yeah. I, I think he's played up to the capabilities of being that number three pick uh, uh, and making uh, Arizona look very, very good instead of taking Mitch Marner at number four. Yeah, he's, he's really improved, Strom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. We talk about Memorial Cup Sunday, and it does, uh, you know, Naz. Uh, we go back. We, to we, we, Naz and I go back, and it, it, it reminds me of, and it's a similar day to today, uh, I think it was 1973, wasn't it, Nas? We were, we were Kitchener. Ju- it was Kitchener. We were, yeah. we were, uh, and I remember this like it was yesterday. Uh, it was a Sunday morning. We we hadn't decided whether we were gonna. It was the Marlies, and they were playing the New Westminster Bruins. I think it was the 73 Memorial Cup. Was it the or was it the 75? I think it was 75. Was it the was John it was Tenel- it the Mark John, was it John the Mark Tenelli, Howe Mark team Napier? or was yeah, it the Boudreau no, Napier Tenelli, team? Tenelli and Napier. It was yeah. the 75 yeah. team. Yeah. And John Tonelli scored big goals with the Marlies back then yeah, too. Yeah, and uh, we were we're we're uh, we're uh, at Weston and Finch that morning and trying to decide what we we're going to do. And you picked that we went to. And they used to have phone booths in those days. Remember those days? And uh, you walked into the phone booth and you called the Memorial Auditorium in Kitchener and asked them, "You got any tickets?" Uh, for this afternoon's Memorial Cup game. And I think they said they had standing room only or like the really top tickets. And he, and they, and he said, okay, let's go. We drove down, bought tickets at the, yeah. 
at the and we were big we were big Marley's fans in those days. We used to yeah. go down all the time and uh, and uh, and uh, and the Marley's won uh, they won they won that game. They were Memorial Cup champions for the second time in 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 uh, three years. Yeah, they had John Anderson also. It was a pretty good team. It, it was it was it was it was a very good team. And of course, the team two years before was the Mark uh, Mark Marty Howe team. And that uh, may be the best team ever in junior hockey. There was some really good. Which one? Seventy three or seventy five? Seventy three was a really. You remember seventy three? They barely got by Peterborough in yeah, game in seven. Yeah, and, and we were shot. at we Penalty were shot. at Jim remember, Lever. Remember that? <laughs> we were at that yeah. game. Yeah, I was always on. We were at that game. We were sitting in the grays. Jimmy yeah. Lever. We were sitting in the grays. Yeah. We 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 went down Paul at the Bordel. last minute. In yeah. those days, Paul yeah. and Bordel. Yeah. We used to you used to have to line you used to go down you line up as you walked in off Carlton Street and yep. there's big lines waiting for tickets and you'd go to the gate and the guy in the blue jacket sitting behind the glass window he'd pull out you know you used to pull the tickets out <laughs> yeah, right see what's available. And, he, and he'd flash the tickets <laughs> at you and, and and man when he when he was flashing red tickets we used to get so excited the the reds are the blue tickets and uh, and then and then that particular night I remember Naz we were there and. Uh, and uh, he, all he could do that night was flash grays. He says, yeah. "Sorry, this this is there was must have been sixteen thousand, fifteen sixteen thousand people at uh, Maple Leaf Gardens you that night. You, you really couldn't move in that. And that uh, was the glory days yeah, of, uh, of of junior hockey here in Toronto. Thir- thirteen guys off that seventy three team played in the NHL or WHA. Thirteen yeah. guys. I always thought, team. and uh, I, I may mean, I go back a little bit. Uh, I always thought the sixty four Marlies were the best." Uh, junior, the 64 Marlies and the 69 Junior Canadians were the best uh, junior hockey teams. The 64 Marlies had Mike Walton, Pete Stemkowski, Wayne Carlton, uh, uh, a whole bunch of other guys. That uh, and Brian Glennie. Uh, no, Glennie was on the 67 Memorial Cup team. He wasn't on the 64 team. Ron Ellis, uh, Jim McKinney. Uh, the 64 Marley team, to me, is always, maybe because I was young and impressionable, was always the greatest junior hockey team of all time. Well, I don't know. The, 60, the 69... Uh, junior Canadians? Junior, with, with Gilbert Perrault, yeah, Gilbert 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 Rajon Uhl, Mark Tardif, Jocelyn Gevermont, and the little guy, how Bobby Richard, Lalonde. How about, how about Richard Martin? And, and Rick Martin. <laughs> yeah, they were a pretty good team, too. And the little guy, Bobby Lalonde. <laughs> Bobby Lalonde. Remember Bobby Lalonde? Anyways, we're going way... We got, we, we're going way... Uh, we're going down memory lane here this morning, Memorial Cup Sunday. And so, you know, it's been, it's been a while. I mean, I watched the Memorial Cup two years ago because... Uh, a friend of mine was playing in it, Michael Dal Cole, and Oshawa won that one in overtime. Um, so this, it's, uh, it's. I'm, really, I'm looking forward to watching this one. It, it shapes up to be a, a classic. It really does. I'm wondering if they should go back to the old system, uh, which was the, what the four best, out of seven. Yeah, four yeah out they of used seven. to go east west. Yeah, or, or Ontario well, they have the Quebec. Four matchups, right? Yeah, and then the winners would meet in the final. Well, uh, I, yeah, I think they had to get away for that system because in the old, old days, it was always east-west, and then the Quebec Junior Major League came up strong. So, uh, it, uh, Ottawa and uh, Ontario and Quebec used to face off first to play the Western winner, and they used to play a seven-game series. And they went away from that, I think, in the early 70s, um, just because they wanted all three reps. Mm-hmm. All three a rep from each league at the, at the some Memorial Cup finals. Violent games back in the early seventies. Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> Marcel Dion, and, and, and nobody Dion. wanted to play the New Westminster Brewers because 
Oh, they were a tough team. They, they were, were big. And Punch McLean would have those teams all fired up. And, you know, yeah. the style out west was all more or less like a brawling-type hockey. Yeah, it was but we always hockey. had the skilled teams like the Marlies, the Rangers, and uh, and obviously the, the skill uh, and the skating of the uh, Quebec Hockey League. But it was a lot of fun back then. It's a lot of fun now. Uh, and it, more well, fun back then. More well, fun sure, back because then. It, it was, yeah, it's because it was real we hockey. Got, it's because we've gotten older now. <laughs> that's why. Uh, a lot more fun. Anyways, we uh, we're gonna we're gonna take the break, and we're really looking forward to our next uh, our next guest is Pete Weber. Pete Weber is the voice of the Nashville Predators, and there's an extreme amount of excitement in Nashville over the Stanley Cup Finals. And Naz, I know that you uh, uh, you you've been tracking. Uh, prices of tickets so maybe you uh, let let, uh, let the listeners know your research in terms of well, the we, excitement that exists in nashville over what's coming up here's pittsburgh pittsburgh's price of tickets start at 250 us tickets available in nashville it's a thousand dollars per us per ticket what a market in Nashville! Yeah, there's certainly uh, why well, it's there's certainly a buzz. They've been in the league uh, almost 20 years, and this is the first time they've gone to the Stanley Cup Finals. And uh, you know what? Great for them. They came back. Uh, you know, they they got a greeting at the airport when they when that they, was incredible. Uh, when they came back from Anaheim, I don't think that that was. I don't don't believe that was that was not even the deciding game. No. That was after Game Five. Mm-hmm. And there was hundreds of people waiting for them at the airport. So yeah. certainly they're excited about that in Nashville. And we're excited to talk to Pete Weber, the voice of the Nashville Predators. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just thirteen ninety-nine for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. So order now and order often and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five-topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. Shh. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are they ever wrong about sports? 
I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, we're also on 96.7 FM on the internet, www.zoomerradio.ca. Sit down if you need. The Nashville Predators are going to the Stanley Cup final. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Pete Weber, the voice of the Nashville Predators. Good morning, Pete. How are you? How could I be doing anything but spectacularly well right now? Uh, <laughs> do you got your cowboy boots on? <clears throat> I, 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 uh, no, they don't fit. They just don't fit me. D- Pete, just want to let you know, uh, I'm Wally. Naz is with me, who you've been talking to. And uh, uh, joining yeah. us in studio this morning is former Washington Capitol Lou Franceschetti. Uh, so, uh, Lou Franceschetti, yeah. former Buffalo Sabre. That's right. Traded for Mike Polino around <laughs> the Dean Christmas party. Thanks for reminding me, Pete. Anyways, uh, Pete, uh, I mean, I checked, I checked out your uh, your your social media, and uh, we normally would read out the uh, the the resume of of our guests, but we don't have enough time on the show to go through everything exactly. that you've accomplished in your career. But you've been, and and it was a nice lead in. You, of course, are familiar to our Western New York listeners as uh, as doing some work in Western New York with the Buffalo Sabres and the Buffalo Bills and certainly Mr. Franceschetti. And you've been the voice of the Nashville Predators since day one, uh, which has been since 1998. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, that's correct. Uh, my first day in town on the job was the first day of the first training camp, September 12th of that year. Really, uh, it's been, uh, I don't want to say a long 18 years, but there's been some ups and downs in uh, in the Nashville Predators history. In fact, it's, at one point, they almost became the Hamilton Predators, but uh, right. that's, a, that's a whole different that's story. That's 10 years ago now. That's, uh, that's about 10 years ago, yeah. Uh, but I do want to ask you, Pete, uh, uh, a lot of people were not expecting the Nashville Predators to be where they are tomorrow playing the first game of the Stanley Cup final uh, in, 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 in a, as, succinct, as succinctly as you possibly can. What happened in these playoffs? Well, I, and actually, if you go into preseason, uh, at least EA Sports predicted the Predators. Okay. That was about it. <laughs> <clears throat> what happened? Pecorino got very, very hot. Uh, the team hopes that he continues in that light. And then uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks, now, it's one thing for an eight seed to be the number one seed, but that was the first time the eight seed had ever swept the number one seed. And I, I think the club simply, and I don't believe in momentum rolling you through, but I believe it helps the club with its confidence and gives them the capabilities of performing at this level. So then they take care of the St. Louis Blues in six, a very physical Anaheim Ducks team in the same number of games, and that's how they find themselves here. And a lot of it is next man up with the injuries they've been hit with in these playoffs. Kevin Fiala, he had the overtime winner in game three against Chicago. And then in the second game in St. Louis, breaks the steamer. He obviously out for the balance of the playoffs. And then in the Anaheim series, in the same game, losing captain Mike Fisher, uh, though it appears Mike Fisher will be back for tomorrow's game number one of the final and Ryan Johansson, with uh, what was a career-threatening injury, as it turned out, a uh, compartment injury in his left thigh and required immediate surgery. Uh, and then you substitute guys in the lineup like Pontus Auberg, who came on and had the game winner in uh, Game 5 in Anaheim, 
and you bring in Colton Sissons to take the place of Ryan Johansson, and I guess it's difficult to complain about a hat trick for a replacement player, but he did a great job there in the sixth game against the Ducks. So there's been a lot of people contributing, and certainly Pecorino being a focal point. Pete, the biggest trade in the NHL during the summer was P.K. Zuban for Weber, Shea Weber. How is P.K. adjusted in Nashville right now? He adjusted very quickly. Now, it's not too often there's been a trade for a player in the summer, and your conference call with local reporters is hooking up with the guy who happens to be at a restaurant in Paris, France. But that was the story. And while P.K. was enjoying that over there, he had the reporters in Nashville sitting around the table eating out of his hand. He get he comes to town two weeks later, and within 45 minutes of touching down, he's on the stage wearing a cowboy hat at Tootsie's singing Johnny Cash songs. The club, the team, the community have really taken to him, and it took him a while to get healthy. You recall his season ended last year in Montreal, being carried off the ice on a stretcher. Uh, and then this year, when he came in, he didn't have all that much chance to work in the preseason, uh, with Roman Yossi, because the thought was he would slide into what was Shea Weber's spot. So uh, Roman Yossi only had one game with the Predators in the preseason because of the World Cup. Ultimately, it shuffled down where Roman Yossi plays with Ryan Ellis and Matthias Ekholm with P.K. Subban. And after P.K. got healthy and became a regular in the lineup without any inhibitions whatsoever, uh, a late January trip to Western Canada, the club just uh, got it together on D. Pete, I, obviously with the success that the Nashville Predators have had, I've got two good friends uh, in the front office there, David Poyle, who actually brought me in yep. in 83-84, and a good friend is uh, Paul Fetton, who I happened to play with in 85-86 with the Binghamton Whalers before he started his up, uphill climb into the National Hockey League. Um, David's been known to make some very, very... Uh, Outlandish trades. Uh, yeah. when, he, when he first got there in '81, he traded one of the most popular players in in Washington, Ryan Walter, and yeah. uh, and Green Rick Green to the Montreal yeah. Canadiens for Rod Langway, Dougie Jarvis, Craig Lachlan. That's a pretty good trade. And Brian Engblom. Then and, and on top of that, he also got a color two color commentators, right? Yes. Craig <laughs> And then he had he had uh, the gall to trade Mike Gardner at the trade deadline in '87 to get uh, Bobby Rouse, Larry Murphy, no Bobby Rouse and uh, Donnie Beaupre and Dino Cesarelli yep. from Minnesota. Uh, he traded a first round pick for Dale Hunter, who turned out to be Joe Sackick. Yeah, uh, and now he turns out he trades PG Subban. Well, he traded Shea Weber to get PG Subban. What do you think was the main factor that, in, in your eyes, that that well, Shea Weber got traded to to Montreal for an outlandish or an outgoing kind of guy who would fit in great uh, because he really doesn't have to stand out in, in Nashville in uh, P.G. Subban? Well, I think the big thing they were thinking about was the way that Pierre Laviolette likes to play the game, and he likes to play a tempo game. They thought that P.K. would just fit into that very, very quickly and very well which has turned out. And I'll add one other uh, bold trade that David Boyle made just a little while ago, and that was deciding to trade Seth Jones, who you think would be a franchise cornerstone, just to be able to get a Ryan Johansson so the club would finally have, for the first time in its history, 
a true number one centerman. So, yeah, David's not been averse to doing that, and I love the story he told of Abe Poland, the owner of the Capitals, hanging up on him when he called to inform him of that big trade with Montreal you had talked about earlier. He said, you better be right. You just traded my favorite player. Well, Pete, how about the trade for uh, Phil Forsberg to Washington for Martin Erat at the time that Wash yeah. was going for the whole thing? Uh, yeah. Martin had demanded a trade, and that's what happened. Is Paul Fenton getting enough credit down there? Uh, I've I've played with him. Uh, I've watched Paul build this Nashville team with the tight budget that they've had. They've had great first round picks all the way through. Uh, you know, obviously with Ellis and uh, making a trade for Forsberg. Uh, is he getting enough credit? And is he going to be on uh, people's forefront here to get an uh, an NHL GM job? Well, I would think so, and I would think they people uh, other teams throughout the league. If you just take a look at the success rate, want to get as many ex-whalers as they can. I mean, just look at the college of coaches that became as well. No reason it can't be front office executives, too. Pete, uh, the, the play of James Neal has really impressed me. The physical part of his game has really come out in these series. Anaheim tried to beat the crap out of uh, Nashville, yeah. and, and it didn't work. James Neal's a big part of the team, isn't he? Yes, he is, and particularly when he performs down low now in the Anaheim series he had a shot in the top of the circle uh, or just inside the circle in overtime to win the first game but yes he really has and, and with the injuries they've had he's had to get accustomed to playing with a number of different people uh, and he's played with virtually every center iceman this team has he, he's worked very well uh, with Cali Arncroke in particular but we'll have to see how they line it up tomorrow night uh, we're talking to Pete Weber, who Pete is, of course, the, the voice of the Nashville Predators, who uh, will be in their first Stanley Cup final starting tomorrow evening in Pittsburgh. And, uh, uh, Pete, there's a, there's a gentleman that's behind the bench for the Nashville Predators that perhaps doesn't get the due that I think that he's going to get from here on in because he's accomplished something that I believe only one or two other coaches has accomplished. He's now taken his third team. To yeah. the Stanley Cup final. He is a Stanley Cup winner with, with Carolina. We're talking, of course, about uh, Peter LaViolette. Um, give us a sense of uh, what he's done with this team that has uh, anything that you see in his methods or his tactics or his strategy or what makes – what has he done that's got the Nashville Predators this far and what's, what's his strength as a coach? Yeah, I think his strength as a coach is defining roles and selling those roles to the players and getting them to perform to their utmost within that context. But the other thing that we've seen is how he's adapted because injuries have forced that adaptation throughout the course of a run like this. Uh, so, yeah, he is one of he, Dick Irvin Sr., himself, Mike Keenan, and Scotty Bowman, the only coaches to take three different teams to the cup final, of course, Scotty Bowman did it with four, but that by itself is just an absolutely huge accomplishment to be certain. Pete, I'm going to ask you a uh, personal question, and that's uh, how does it feel going into a series knowing that you have the possibility of calling a Stanley Cup winning goal or a Stanley Cup final win for Nashville? How, how does it feel? Well, I'll tell you how it feels, and actually it, it involved a career decision I made several years ago. I decided to switch from doing the television to the radio so that if the eventuality came up that this presented itself, that I'd be able to do that. Because when you're doing the local television, you're done after the first round. 
And uh, I, I don't feel like I took a gamble. I just feel I wanted to have that opportunity should it arise, and I'm very happy that I did. Oh, we're talking to Pete Weber. Uh, Pete, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Nashville, the hockey city. Yeah. Uh, it's not, you know, in Toronto, we tend to have blinders on. We think uh, we know all things hockey, and sometimes we think that we're the center of the hockey universe, but uh, we know that we're not. Uh, and so we, we really don't get a sense of the hockey culture in Nashville, or we don't know the passion that uh, that exists amongst fans in Nashville. Tell us what's happened to, because uh, quite frankly, you're, the, the Nashville franchise almost wasn't there and right. almost it almost left and through the good graces of this time. Yeah, yeah through the good graces of some people who stepped up uh, hockey was saved in nashville and it should get and just give us a sense of what the culture for hockey is down there and what we can expect uh during the stanley cup finals well one thing you can expect is a very loud building as a matter of fact the guinness book of world records people are going to be there to see if they will actually exceed what they have listed as the DB reading for the loudest indoor facility, which will be uh, something over 130 DB, without even worrying about converting for Canadian currency versus U.S. <laughs> currency. We'll just say that that it goes across the board scientifically, and it's like having a 747 jet engine uh, in your living room. Uh, and I've been there you know, for all this time. I've gone to Rolling Stones concerts there, and the noise level is not approached that. But when, now, there had been minor league hockey going back to the mid-60s uh, in Nashville, uh, starting with the old Dixie Flyers in the Eastern League in the days of John Muckler and John Brophy going at one another, <laughs> hammer and tong. And uh, that, that team really set the basis for a lot of this. They started the youth hockey schools and so on, but they were done by the time you got to the 70s. And then other teams came in, in the ECHL primarily. Uh, and one year in the Central League, the old uh, Minnesota North Stars, their club, their farm club was there, the Nashville South Stars, coached by Gino Briaco and featuring Gino. a guy named Bob Suter, whose son would later be a first-round pick of the Predators. But they have, we, when we got to town, there were three high schools playing club hockey. There were under 300 registered amateur players. Now there are over 3,000 amateur players and 20-plus high schools playing the game. We've had with this being able to hold on through 07, now a whole generation of youngsters growing up knowing nothing but a hometown with the NHL in it, and I think that's helped a great deal. So the fervor that those fans have is just absolutely uh, immeasurable for me. We can measure sound, but I don't think we can measure the fervor. Uh, Pete, you've been generous with your time with us this morning. We thank you very much. Uh, we're certainly looking forward to the Stanley Cup final, and... Uh, we wish the Predators the best, and uh, one, one, last, uh, one last observation. Uh, are we going to see a lot of catfish being thrown on the ice? Not in Pittsburgh. There's already <laughs> one fish market that has refused to sell catfish to anybody with a Tennessee address on their IDs. I mean, I think you will see it in Nashville. As a matter of fact, one of the energy uh, ice girls for the Predators won a bet with her brother on Monday night. She picked up what had to clearly be at least a 20-pound catfish. And her brother said, okay, you'll pick it up, but you won't kiss it. But if you do, I'll give you 100 bucks." She won her 100 bucks Monday night. So, Pete, who sings the national anthem? First home game. No idea, except it will not be me. It will not be Terry Crisp, who's celebrating his birthday today. 
uh, it'll be somebody who actually can sing. Anyways, uh, Pete, listen, thanks, thanks so much. We, we really appreciate your time. We're going to be anxiously uh, watching this Stanley Cup final, and uh, part of me hopes that uh, I'm able to listen to you uh, announce that the Nashville Predators have won the Stanley Cup. Best of luck. That's very kind of you. Thank you so much. It's Pete. our pl- Sorry. Pete, good luck, and uh, give my best to David and, uh, and Paul there. I will, Lou. Take care. Thank you so much. Uh, should be interesting. I'm looking forward to more, more so the games in Nashville because these, these, uh, the Nashville fans are really, really, really excited about what's going on, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, Lou, we've got to go to break, and uh, we'll be right back after. Before we go to the break, uh, I don't know if you've been reading the, uh, the, uh, um, the uh, press uh, rumors, but rumors are that there's going to be a Washington-Toronto uh, winter classic. And I was, I was thinking about it very carefully. And I said, who's got more of a better Washington capital Toronto Maple Leaf connection than Lou Franceschetti? It's going to be at the Naval Academy. It's going to be at the Naval Academy. Yeah, visited that place Washington, many times. Washington Capitals and Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be, apparently the NHL is going to announce it tomorrow. And something tells me that uh, you're going to be a key part of those festivities. I don't. I can't think of anybody else who's got such a uh, such a huge Washington, Toronto. Maybe Mike Gartner, but he wasn't here very long. But uh, things are looking good for you, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to have to don the red, white, and blue instead of just the blue well, and white. <laughs> I, that was my next question. No, I, I think that's that was strong. my next question, and I wouldn't. I would hold your cards tight to your vest right now. I was going to ask you that, but I'm, you know what? If I were you, I wouldn't go on the record just yet which uh, which particular jersey you're going to be donning. I would I would I would uh, being your counsel, I would I would hold that uh, I would hold that information a little bit tight at this point. Trust me guys, I won't be by I won't be by the phone <laughs> waiting for that call right now. <laughs> Anyways, we've got to go to break. We'll be right back uh, in a few moments. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised that people may not know how many different kinds of ponzos Pizzaville makes. You can go Italian if you like a sausage. You can go Hawaiian if you like ham and pineapple. And you can go Canadian if you like bacon, beer and hockey. We can build a ponzo that speaks your language. No matter where you are from, call Pizzaville at 736-3636. Or visit pizzaville.ca. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too. But the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. 
This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We've got about seven or eight minutes left. Uh, We'll open up the lines. We haven't done that in a while. We'd love to take your calls. I'll give out those numbers once again. If you want to give us a call and chat some sports, please give us a call at 416, area code 416-360-0740. Toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Those numbers are on the the website. Uh, By all means, give us a call. We'd We'd love to chat some sports. Gentlemen, the NBA playoffs are shaping up to be one of those playoffs that you see once in a generation. Uh, it's just two, two immovable teams going at each other. Uh, of course, I'm talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors. Uh, out of those two teams, they've only lost one game so far throughout the whole run. Uh, LeBron, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, um, this could be a finals for the ages. If if the press clippings pan out, this is going to be one incredible series, and I'm looking forward to this one probably more than the uh, than the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, Nas, uh, two two teams that are clearly clearly the best. Um, Cleveland came back last year, overcame a 3-1 to deficit, overcame a Golden State team that won 73 games. It was just phenomenal. Uh, but Golden State went out and they got themselves Kevin Durant. Um, where do you see this series going? Well, I was wrong about Cleveland and Toronto, that's for sure. They, uh, they, wa- they walloped them. They walloped them. And I didn't think Cleveland had it in them to come back during the playoffs, but they did. And anybody that has LeBron James, I, I, I can't go against them. I really can't. He's that good. doesn't well, matter if they have Durant or not. I think uh, Cavaliers are going to win. It just goes to show you that an 82-game schedule in the NBA doesn't really mean, mean not, anything. It doesn't mean anything. Because after Christmas, the Cleveland Cavaliers more or less just put it in cruise and rested all their players. They didn't care whether they won or lost. They knew they were going to be a number one or two seed. And they just said, bring on the playoffs and bring on the Golden State Warriors because it's going to be a great series. You're going to have the four-headed monster. You got Curry, like you said, Wally, Curry and Durant on one side. And you got Irving. Uh, you got uh, James and Irving on the other side. Uh, you got Love with Cleveland. And you got Damon Green. You got a great bench on both teams. Uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting series. Uh Game one is going to be. We'll see if game one will will set the tone for the rest of the series. Um, but 
I'm going to be watching it. Well, I think this is going to be some tremendous – if they don't break the ratings records for NBA Finals in this one, they never will. I mean, this has to be the most anticipated NBA Finals that I in, – in, at least since the 80s, since the Celtics-Lakers, since uh, – I mean, Jordan – when Jordan was winning with Chicago uh, – which with the Bulls, he wasn't really going up against – what were considered super teams. I mean, they were beating up on Utah Jazz a few times, weren't they? The mailman and uh, – uh, but the, we're, we're almost looking back to some Celtics-Lakers uh, battles and uh, and uh, Lakers battles with uh, with some other teams over the years. Uh, it's it's This is going to be – it's going to generate that much interest because not only are you talking about two incredible teams, you are talking about the top talents from this generation – the absolute best basketball players in the world. Uh, it's, it certainly should be phenomenal. Uh, really looking forward to it. Uh, we've got a few minutes left. We do have a caller on the line. Uh, uh, is it Kevin? Kevin, how are you this morning? Uh, good morning, gentlemen, and very pleasure to speak with all of you. And just centering this morning on the Toronto Blue Jays, and the series with the Texas Rangers, it's been exciting series. And being the end of May, I really feel with the Blue Jays and all of the injuries they've been having, this has been a very exciting weekend series. And I'm hoping that with the returning of the injured players, that Toronto, as we hit the the beginning of June, can inch up in the standings. It seems we're tough division, the American League East, but I, I really feel, gentlemen, you can never predict injuries, and I think that has been a, a big part of the first quarter of the season. Kevin, I want, I want to thank you for your call. Thanks, uh, thanks once again for calling us, and you did direct us to a topic that uh, Lou's got, our, ma- our man, Mr. Franceschetti, uh, has got some strong opinions about. Uh, of course, he's, uh, uh, Lou is a, is a diehard New York Yankee fan, and Lou, there's a big series coming up, Yankees and Blue Jays. And, next weekend. Uh, next weekend, and um, could, be, could be a pivotal series in the Blue Jays' season. They, Blue Jays Naz, they, they've certainly turned it around. They are back in the thick of. I mean, Lou, as you pointed out to me, they're not they're not sniffing behind the Yankees yet, uh, but they're back in the hunt for a wild card. And all the doomsayers, all the doom and gloom guys, were way too premature. But uh, Lou, uh, tell us about the Yankees and Naz. Uh, join in with uh, how the how the Blue Jays have turned it around. Well, the Yankees have cooled off a little bit since uh, the last time we discussed. Uh um, when we talked about him there, when especially just before uh, Tulowitzki and Donaldson um, got hurt, right now I think the big uh, concern with the Yankees is their starting pitching. Um, they haven't had great starts over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Judge and Sanchez have slowed off a little bit. Uh, they're more or less coming back down to earth. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna apologize, Lou. I'm gonna cut you off because we've only got 30 seconds, and I want to give Naz the last word. Well, the Blue Jays have come back, and but everybody, the, all the teams have come back to to the pack now. They're all there except for the Yankees. They're ahead by about three or four games, right? Um, Boston's starting to move up the standings. So, the Blue Jays are lucky. 
They really are. Everybody's got the same record, basically, in the MLB, and it's going to be a really. It's going to be one of those seasons where 86 wins will win a wild card. And briefly, Tulowitzki and Donaldson are back. Hap is going to be back, and Liriano is going to be back. How much difference does that make? Well, it makes a big difference. Uh, Ryan Goins has played great for Tulowitzki. He's been a defensive gem for the Jays. They won't uh, miss. They're going to miss his glove for sure in in the lineup. Anyways, it's been. Another great week on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Lou, thanks for joining us. We always appreciate your strong opinions on on various topics. And uh, it's going to be an interesting week. Stanley Cup Finals, NBA Finals, and the Jays are going to start their run. For all of us here at the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, have a fantastic week. Uh, be healthy, and we'll be back again next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.